0: of the Lord, the book of Romans, chapter 12, Romans, chapter 12, verse 3, the apostle said, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And in the context of that chapter, we need to understand you can't pull verses out of Scripture. In that particular context, faith there is not general faith. It's specific faith in the area that he called you in, that he made you for. He's talking about the gifts in the body. He's talking about the personalities, the uniqueness that each and every one of us have. So God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, for we have, see the connector, for we have, Many members in one body. But all the members do not have the same function. Say with me, we all, we all have different functions. Have different functions. Now look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor, I appreciate, I appreciate your, your function. function. You, are you are unique. I don't want to, I want to be you. You shouldn't want to be me either. So celebrate who you are. And somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For we being many are one body in Christ and individually we're members of one another. Yeah. Having then gifts differing, differ, uh, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Notice it says that there's a grace that's given to us. That gift you have has a commensurate amount of grace. You're, you're graced for it. You could do it with your eyes closed. Other people will have to work to do what you do. You don't even have to break a sweat. Others will have to break a sweat to do what you do. Others, they'll try, and they will fail miserably because they don't have the grace to do what you do. But the problem is, somewhere along the line in Christianity, they have created the supermen of faith, the men of God, the women of God. Everybody else is just an average person. But you see that man? That's the man of God anointed, appointed, superman of faith. But unfortunately, he was never or she was never created to be what they're trying to make them, so they fail miserably. Because they're not supposed to be everything. They're not supposed to be everybody. There are no super men or superwomen of God. There are men and women of God. We're all anointed. We're all graced. The, the area that you can move in, that's your area where you can excel. And I have to learn that I need you, when we're doing that. <laughs> Amen. And when you're doing what I do, then you, you know, you sort of got to let me do it. I I do it better than you do, whatever it is that I do. <laughs> but you do something better than me. I can't get jealous. I have to celebrate that. Because the Bible says we're members of each other. But then there's another problem that has arisen in the body of Christ, and it's that spirit of individuality. I don't need anybody. You know, see, we we need Brother Ephraim. You know what he's going to do now? He's going to go minister in another church. It's just what he does. He has a grace for it. Drive me crazy. I wouldn't do it. But he can do it. He does it every week. Ministers in his father's church. Ministers with us. Love him for it. Bow your heads with me a moment. Father, we thank you for your word, for divine instruction. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you continue to not just teach us, but to reveal it to us. Uh, Lord, in the depths of our very being. Uh, We might no longer feel less than this person or greater than that person, but Lord, that we might deal soberly with the grace gifting that you've placed in us. We might be able to move in faith, in joy. Uh, Lord, just uh, celebrating who you made us to be in the body of Christ. Celebrating, Lord, who you made our brothers and sisters to be in the body of Christ. And be able to work and to serve as one man. Lord, around your common vision, your vision, Lord, for um, the church universal and also for the local tribes that exist all around the world that we call local churches. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. So last week we uh, began to, uh, or rather continued, uh, the very process of understanding how each and every one of us is vital in the kingdom of God. We spoke about the four different uh, faces you know, we, 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 we uh, remember the face of the eagle. We remember the face of the man. You're the man. Well, some, some of you are. Some of you are not. Some of you are an eagle, a lion. What's the other one? What's the fourth one? The ox. The ox. Huh? You, you're listening. You're listening. If you weren't listening, it's actually on the website now. So you can listen to it at your leisure. But I recommend that you do listen to it because it's very vital for you to understand how important you are and that you are part of the body of Christ, and we need you. Say to your neighbor, we need you. You know, we, we need each and every one. Psalms 133 made it very clear. He says where there is unity, that's where the oil is poured, and the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. That's where that anointing, wherever the anointing is, there's life. It says it there that there is life there. And, you know, it's interesting. Jesus in John 17 prayed for unity. He says, uh, Father, let them be as you and I are, one. So if he prayed that we would be one, what does that insinuate? That we're not one yet. Yeah. It's a prayer in process. It's a prayer that's unfolding. We are becoming that. But the problem is, is that there are issues indigenous to us as human beings that don't allow us uh, to easily fall in that, uh, that plan of God, that, that unity factor. So the first thing is that spirit of independence. It's one of the master sins of humanity. I don't want to be accountable to you. I'm sorry, Julio. I want to do what I do, and I don't want you to tell me what to do when I do what I do. But the bottom line is, we don't like people telling us what to do. Any New Yorkers here? Three people, just raise their hands. The other one, all the rest of you, the altar is open. You can feel free to begin repenting from this moment on. We don't like it. We don't like it when our bosses tell us what to do. We don't like it when our parents told us what to do or tell us what to do. We don't like it. It's one of the master sins of humanity and one that the devil has used for eons. Another master sin is pride. We're, we're, we're prideful by nature. It's, it's just in us. It's in the flesh. It's endemic to the flesh, so it's hard for us to submit to a body. The Bible says even though we're individual, we're, we belong to a body. Now, my hands cannot do whatever it pleases. It has to do what the head tells it to do. It's not, you know, to the uh, demise of the hand. No, on the contrary, uh, as long as the hand is connected, the the hand is able to work very strongly, very powerfully as it's connected. A couple of weeks ago, you know, we we played baseball against um, Pastor Mott's guys. Here. Amen. You know, one of them are here, you know. I just, want, I just want to serve notice. That was just practice. We have fun. But, you know, I realize that this 52-year-old body didn't respond to my 18-year-old strategy. I know where I wanted to hit the ball. Problem is that when I swang, <laughs> the ball didn't go where I wanted it to go. So frustrating. And Julio wasn't too far behind me. He was, <laughs> he was also more frustrated. He, he, he would be like, hey, bro. Four, oh, we'll four, right there. <laughs> it's so frustrating when the body doesn't work. <laughs> you know, when it doesn't obey, you know, the, the mind. But it's all right. We're, we're going to practice today, right? And uh, you, know, you, you, know you know, there's a revancha. You know what a revancha is? Rematch. Yes, yeah, so I just want to let you know that. If this is not over. Now, for the law, lo- it's not over. <laughs> I, lo- I love softball. One of the reasons why I love so- softball so much is I don't have to run back and forth so much like basketball. I, I would die in basketball, so I love softball. I only have to run around the base just once every like, three or four innings. And that's if I get the hit. <laughs> uh, I tell you, last time, I didn't get to run much. <laughs> Praise God. But the bottom line is, is, yeah, we belong to a body. And the only way the body can function properly is when it's in obedience to each other. So that master sin of pride keeps us from really obeying God. And that's the bottom line. It's not about, uh, you know, you submitting to me and me submitting to you. It's us obeying God together. Because it's His body. Hello? It's His body. Say to your neighbor, it's His body. body. So you belong to Him. The Bible makes it very, very clear that we shall answer individually to the Lord for that which which He's placed in our hands. So say to your neighbor, Neighbor, I... I'm not responsible for what you do with your gifts. You're responsible. It's in there, and we have to preach it, and we have to teach it. You cannot go around life doing whatever you please every day of your life, and then when you go before God, you oh God, I preached in your name. I prophesied in your name. I did so many great things in your name. You go, huh? Who? Who are you? never knew you because you were never connected to the body and what happens is many of us we feel that because we're fulfilling this role it's not as good as that role no, no, no Sister Jessica mentioned you know, cooking providing food right? what, what did she call it? it was not that glamorous she said servicing is not that glamorous in heaven you're a champion in heaven, you are recognized. I would dare to say that many of the people that really think they're big and bad in the kingdom of God, walking around with them shark skin shoes and with those nice, shiny suits, you know, and can pray up a storm, are not known in heaven or not as celebrated in heaven as those that serve in the body of Christ. Because Jesus came here to serve humanity. He said, I didn't come here to, to, to be served. I came here to serve. So God has exalted him and made his name the highest name. Why? Because he learned how to be obedient to the Father even when he didn't feel like it. Even when it didn't move him emotionally. You know, I really don't feel this thing. Because when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, his emotions were fighting against him every step of the way. But yet he said, well, in spite of my emotions, I'm still going to do what you've called me to do, Father. Hallelujah. Another major flaw in the flesh, is refusing to accept responsibility for our actions. You know what I've found? I can't, change. I can't change anybody. I've tried. With all of my heart, my soul, my mind, I've tried to change people. The more I try to change them, the more they fight against the process. So I've realized that the only one I can really change is me. So I might as well get up on the business of changing me and being the best me I'm supposed to be. But yet, the flesh doesn't want to change. The flesh wants to remain as is and wants the world to evolve around the individual. And this is something we have to be very careful about. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 a moment. Ephesians 4. Look at verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, verse 21, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, say with me, put on the new man. Which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not give the sun, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now notice it didn't say change your personality. Your personality won't change. If you're an eagle, you'll remain illegal. But you won't be a lying eagle. You won't be a lion ox. You won't be a lion man. You won't be a lion lion. So you'll be, you'll be honest. You, you, you'll deal with people according to your gift in true righteousness and holiness. You'll honor them. Hallelujah. Then it, it goes on it says, Let him who st- stole steal no more. Rather, let him labor working with his hands. What is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good, for the necessary edification, that he may impart grace to the hearers. That's hard, especially for you young folks. everybody around you, you know, in the job, in school, wherever, everybody's cursing, everybody's speaking corrupt words. So it's easy to get into that. And, you know, you want to be part of the pack. Right. But that is what's going to differentiate you from your friends. That's what's going to manifest to them the light of God that's inside of you. Your actions and your words. Your actions and your words. God doesn't want you to change in terms of your personality, but He wants you to no longer conform to the world patterns. And He wants you to use your gifts, your wisdom, your words, your actions in a way that would glorify God and benefit the body of Christ and benefit the world. Hallelujah. Then it says... And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, the Holy Spirit has already sealed you, but it says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that infer? That we do. But how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, it says it here. Let all bitterness... Stop being bitter with everybody. Stop wrath. You always getting angry? Well, you know, check it. I can't help it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You, you, could, you could stop your levels of anger. You can control your anger. It says get angry, but sin not. Before in the world, we would get angry. We just, I mean, let everybody have it. Just this morning, I'm listening to the news, and this guy didn't like the fact that his ex-wife uh, has a new boyfriend. So he got angry, and he went and killed the boyfriend. And now he's in prison. A moment of anger. its all it takes. moment of anger can land you in jail. moment of anger can land you dead. Moment of anger will take your purpose away. Anger is only to be used when it's essential. There are times where you have to tell somebody, stop right here, don't do that anymore. It's okay. Even as a Christian, sometimes you have to put people in their place. But you don't have to. <laughs> what, what did that do? No, serious. I see some people, and, and you know something? has nothing to do with age. There's some people that are younger, that are more mature, are a 50, 60-year-old person. The worst thing in the world, I see 60-year-olds throwing tantrums, because they've never learned that they have the right to control their anger. Well, I'm submitting to you that as a Christian, that's part of our <clears throat> not only nature, it's part of our responsibility to control our emotions, so that we would give glory to God in the good, the bad and the ugly. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. And then it says here: don't speak evil, but put away from you. Put it away from you with all malice. Put away all malice. Put put, put that stuff away from you. Don't let it be around you. Stop it whenever it's around you. Then it also says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And you know, Scripture doesn't have this thing, chapter 4, 32, chapter 5, verse 1. We add that, just so that we can find the place. So the next verse, it says, therefore in connection with that, is therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Be imitators of God. Say to your neighbor, it's time to be an imitator of God. So scripture, put it there, means that we can. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can imitate Jesus. How? In these practical matters. When people deserve it, you suddenly turn around and do the opposite. When people don't deserve love, you still give love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, even when I rebuke somebody, I can show some love. Yeah. Really. The other day I had to do that. in My job, I could have I lambasted a person. I decided not to. I decided to sit him down and say, listen, I'm going to talk to you with some love. <laughs> and then I proceeded to let him have it. But in a way where he understood that I'm actually trying to help him. Mm-hmm. Now, whether he accepts it, that's up to him. But he cannot say that day that I dealt with him harshly and terribly. I, I corrected him, but I did so in, in meekness and the spirit of Christ. And he appreciated it. Hallelujah. So say with me, I can deal with people with meekness and yet still bring correction. Hallelujah. See, many people don't understand it. We can grieve the Holy Spirit by the very actions that we do on a daily basis. Some of us are grieving the Holy Spirit on the job. Some of us are grieving the Holy Spirit at our home. Now, let me give you part two. Our attitude. Our attitude determines our altitude. Last, last week I brought a definition. I'm going to bring it again. Attitude is a mental position or perspective with regard to a fact or a state or a situation. And most of the time it's coupled with feelings and emotions to that regard. So attitude is a state of mind but coupled with emotion. And then attitude also can be a negative or hostile state of mind or a cool, cocky, defiant, or arrogant manner. You ever seen anybody who's, who has an attitude? We, we often say it, We say, he has an attitude, or she has an attitude, right? But what we're actually meaning is that they're arrogant or they're hostile. Or sometimes we'll even tell them, you better stop with that attitude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so you, you New Yorkers, man, especially you ladies, man, woo! You better stop with that attitude. <laughs> but you, you see, even professional folk, even gifted folk, and I especially gifted folk, we see how as much as they're desired for their gift, they're pushed away because of their attitude. A person like Terrell Owens, for example, years ago, you saw the way he was fired, even though the man is genuinely gifted to play football. A person like Bobby Knight, one of the greatest coaches in football, was fired because he had a nasty attitude, just nasty man. A person like Douglas MacArthur, who who doesn't know Douglas MacArthur, one of the most famous generals in history. Are you aware that this man was fired in the middle of the Korean War due to his bad attitude? How about, I mean, nobody's heard of Shannon Doherty, right? Nobody. With Shannon Dougherty, she was fired from 90210, a program that nobody knows, of course. Well, because of her attitude, she was fired. And what about nobody, absolutely nobody knows Marilyn Monroe. Nobody knows her. But you know her last job? She was fired from it because she had a bad attitude. And even now, uh, now they're, they're celebrating it. You know, you've you got these Jersey girls. I mean, oh, there are very few things in life take out a tooth without any, what do you call that, anesthesia from me before making me watch a program like that. Really, I'd rather, dentist, just give, it, just give it to me right here. I'd rather do that than watch one of those programs to see their attitudes and the nastiness. And and, and their, man, give that program to me so we could preach the gospel within it. And you know what's even worse? I think some people watch that attitudes. Terrible. People with a bad attitude think that others should put up with them because they have a gift. But the truth of the matter is what eventually happens is that after a while your friends your family members, your job members are no longer able or willing to put up with you. So they'll push you away in spite of your greatness because you're, you're, you're great. You're great. You're a man. But your attitude stinks. So what happens is, instead of being useful in the body, you're no longer useful in the body. You're no longer useful in a job. You know, you, you know, Your family doesn't want you. Why well, you think they don't call you back for Christmas or for Thanksgiving? And they, you, is everything right? Yeah, we're busy, we're working. Yeah, it's a lie. They just don't want you there. <laughs> Push you away. So eventually, your attitude can overshadow your gift. So in the body, we have to realize we have to walk like Christ. And the problem is, is that since we are waiting for somebody else to do it like us or with us, we're waiting, we're waiting, we don't get it, so we don't step in and walk like Christ. Because we're waiting for the next guy. No, sometimes there has to be somebody that is willing to die the death. To, to pay the sacrifice, to model something new in their setting. Maybe you're the one that's called in your family to make the difference. Maybe you're the one that's called on your job to make the difference. Maybe you're the one that's called in your church to make the difference. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm getting no amens anymore. I'm getting people, that just, they're, they're, they're sending me the malocchio now. The, 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 the evil eye. You know, I see it already. I said, the left brow is going up more and more and more. Well, I got to say it anyway. But here's another problem with this. An attitude is a state of mind. That's all it is. It's a state of mind. It's something that you believe, whether it's right or wrong, you believe it at the moment. And the problem is your mindset coupled with your emotion, that combination sets your expectation. It sets your expectation. You expect this. This is the way I expect to be treated. This is the way I expect others to respond to me. This is the way I expect others to respond when I share my gift. And if I lose it, well, that's all right. You know, hey, I'm the man anyway, so you've got to tolerate me. I'm, I'm the gifted one. Anyways, you got to tolerate me. So that's your expectation. Problem is, yeah, it is. But the problem is that they're not going to meet your expectation. So sooner or later, you're going to be Disappointed. And the problem is when we're disappointed with our neighbors, with our family members, in our church, at the job, wherever it may be, we're disappointed because they didn't respond to us the way we wanted them to respond. So that puts us in an attitude. And it's usually a negative attitude. And that's a dangerous place because now we'll cease to be effective in the body of Christ. Another thing about our mindset and emotional connection is that it governs our behaviors and that ought not to be. It ought not be. When you're sensing to go one way, you have to immediately check your spirit. As I may say, Christians, we need to start thinking again. No, no, really, we have to start thinking again. As Christians, many of us have stopped thinking. We just go with the flow. We'll praise God. We're not even praising God. We're all over the place. We're lifting our hands, but our our thoughts are in the arroco habichuela or in the afternoon we're going to go to the beach. You know, we're yeah, yeah. We're going to go somewhere else. We're going to go see a movie or something like that. We're not even in it. We're in it physically, but we're not in it mentally. And we got to learn to think again. When I'm ready to blow it, I mean, I'm ready. I'm, my gasket is going to be popped because this guy deserves it. You know, and I work in an industry during a week where i got some guys' nasty attitudes. Yeah. So any of you in the building industry, you know what I'm talking about. Nasty people. And sometimes I get, it, it almost takes me there. But I've learned that I have to think yeah. because if I don't think, I will just respond or react rather. And I will not react in the spirit of Christ. I will not give testimony. I won't glorify God. I'll just lambaste anybody. I'll go with it eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you know. But at the end of the day, what did it produce? It produced death of relationships. It produced death of any promotion, future promotion I can have. I, I cannot be a witness for Christ now. Because if I turn around later on and say, yeah, God loves you. Yeah, God loves you. Well, is that the one last week that was letting everybody have it? And they were shouting out all the footnas that they can. You know the footners. In this church, you know what a footnote is. That's, that's all the four-letter words. Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing, but that's what happens. We have to learn how to think. If I'm about ready to blow it, it says get angry, but sin not. I can actually, for that moment, I go go, okay, how am I going to handle this? Because I'm about ready to lose it, and it's not Christ-like to lose it. Because if Christ would have lost it on the garden, I would not have had salvation today. If Christ would have lost it on the cross, where would I be today? I don't think I'd be alive today, honestly. You know, when Sal said, God's given me a second chance, right? Second, yeah, me too. Without him, I'm nothing. But if he were to lose it on the cross, and did he have an opportunity to lose it? Did he have the right to lose it? He had the right. And he's there, and he, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't understand. And that's what happens. Most people don't understand. Most people are just ignorant. Most people aren't thinking. They're just flowing with a, a habit that they learned in the old days, in, in, in the school. They're just repeating what they've heard. We call them in Spanish, papagayos. What's a papagayo in English? It's a, a parrot, right? A parrot. Just repeats. They don't understand. You don't, you know, Most of the people talking don't understand what they're saying. They don't understand the damage they're causing. So we, who understand the Word, we have to think and not allow these things to overwhelm us. We have to overwhelm it with the love of God. We have to overwhelm it with the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. And that's why many of us have unreasonable expectations of life. We have unreasonable expectations of people. And we have unreasonable expectations of God. Many of us are angry at God right now because we don't understand. Remember the guys with the three talents? The two, they, they came back to, to, to the, the Lord, and they said, Lord, you've given us this, we give it back to you, multiply. The last one says, I hit it because you're a hard man. You, you're, you're very difficult to work with. I mean, he did not have a good relationship with his master. And many of us don't have a good relationship with, with Heavenly Father. We see him as a hard taskmaster. We see him as a, man, uh, uh, as a God that doesn't care, that's insensitive, because we misunderstand who he is. We don't know him. We don't know his nature, his character. So we have wrong expectations of God. So we get angry or or get disappointed. Some of us get depressed. Our behaviors and emotions then reflect that very disappointment. So another thing we need to do is we need to learn how to manage our expectations. We have to now reassess what our expectations of people are, our expectations of our brothers in Christ. When I serve with my gift, I expect this. What happens if I don't get it? What happens if I don't get it? Then I have to readjust the way I'm going to respond and still give it anyway because I'm not doing it for them only. I'm doing it as unto the Lord, right? But I love them enough to give them what they need even when they don't understand it. Perfect example is parents. Little Johnny's is seven years old, jumping up and down and making a heart, you know, making trouble. Went to the neighbor and took out all the flowers, you know comes back. Hey, look, daddy, you're, like, you're not a father. Where'd you get that from? From the neighbor. Meanwhile, dunk, 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 the neighbor's knocking on your door. Your boy, this is the third time. He's come to my garden. He so what do we do with the kid? Throw him away? No. You correct him, and you work with him. And Why? Because he doesn't understand. And this is what we have to understand is that many times when we share a gift with someone, they might not understand at that moment what you're doing for them. They might even catch a bad attitude. But you need to know and love them enough. You need to know that it's going to make a difference in their lives. They're not going to say thank you today, but they're going to say thank you five years from now. They might not ever say thank you, but one day they'll remember you and in their mind, or maybe they'll be testifying in the church, they'll say, 10 years ago, so-and-so did something for me and I wish they were here. But I just want to let you know I'm appreciative for what they did for me 25 years ago. My spiritual father, the pastor that I was born again under, he's, he's been in heaven a long time. And every once in a while, I just talk good about him. I thank him, even though he's not here physically. But I give glory to God for him, and that gets up there. Amen. His life made a difference and continues to make a difference. But when he Shared some things with me many times. I gave him attitude, and you know what attitude means, right? Cocky, defiant, you know. You know, I mean, you you, you know, young folk, you know, teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I mean, I I look back and I want to go back into time, walk up to that boy, and go because I'm looking back now. I'm saying, Man, Vic, what were you thinking? And in Julio's favorite words, really? See, many get so disappointed that they lower their expectation in life. And that's not God's will either. You can't lower your expectation in life. You have to understand, faith is high expectation. Don't let these situations put you down. No, no, keep your faith up. Keep your confidence level up. We have to. We need that because that's the only way we're going to move forward in our purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you have low faith or no faith, that will nullify your purpose. You won't move ahead in the kingdom of God. You won't be a blessing to anybody. Here's the problem. Some of our attitudes were given to us by our parents. Some of our attitudes were given to us by teachers, by people that we held in high esteem. Our community, our friends, you know, in the whole area of us growing up. So how how do you deal with that? Some of that stuff is so deeply inculcated in you that it's hard to get it out. The wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, thinking. The other day, I was dealing with an issue in me. I said, oh, 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 Vic, I'm thinking now, and that's wrong. I don't care how you feel about it, but that is wrong. And I, was, I realized, that, oh, man, I can have control over this thing. I now understand that this thing is no good for me. Amen. Whereas before, I would just flow into it automatically. Amen. There's an upside to the brain and a downside. The upside is once you develop a habit, it'll be automatic. So if every, every day you wake up at 5 in the morning, do 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 jumping jacks, let me tell you, your body's going to be in a diesel. I mean, you, you're going you're gonna to look good. But the downside is that sometimes we develop habits that are no good for us. And that also is automatic. And it will be there for the rest of your life until you decide to change it. And the problem is it won't change automatically. You have to put effort into changing your habits. It's painful because your body will fight you every step of the way. Because the brain is formed in such a way where when it receives the command to, to create a habit, it actually makes it permanent in the brain. So now for the rest of your life, if you just automatically get very, you know, learn to get very angry, now you do that automatically for the rest of your life. And if you don't deal with that and think about it and begin the process of change, it will never, ever change automatically. And let me add this, even if you're born again. Because you're born again, your spirit man is born again, but your flesh nature The habits, all these things now, you have to start dealing with them. That's why the apostle said, you have to put on Christ. In other words, we have to now begin changing the behaviors that no longer serve us in our future. I'm I'm saying stuff right now, I I mean, uh, there'll be companies that'll be willing to pay me money for this. (laughs) I'm serious, this is really, really good stuff. And it's stuff we all need. There's not one person in this room that doesn't need it. From me on, glory to God. Hallelujah. So how shall we serve if we are unique? Well, we follow Christ's pattern. And here's the next thing about following Christ's pattern. We have to get back to honor. And honor for more pe- for, for most people in order. Honor and honor. order for most people are physical things. You know, order. Everything has to be in order. No. Not only that. There's order in that. If you're gifted for a certain thing, that's what you should Supposed to be functioning. That's divine order. So more and more as we identify the gifts in the body, as we start talking about these things in the weeks to come, you'll realize what place you're supposed to be in terms of the order of God for your life. If you were called to the body of Christ, there's a place where you fit. There's a place where you should function. And in the days to come, we're going to be really dealing with that. We're going to once again uh, ask you to take these assessment. she's we want to know where you fit. Yeah. If you're an eagle, I don't want to put you in a place of an ox, That's right? right? What's an eagle? What's an ox? Listen to the message. Amen. I'm not going to preach Mickey's message. Okay. She did a great job. Amen. All you need to do is go to the website, and she will she'll school you on that. Amen. By the time you listen to her message, you will know what's an eagle, what's an ox, what's a man, and what's a lion. Did I got them right? Hallelujah. Yes. I think I'm a man, I think, that, that, I think that's my, yeah, I'm a man, say, say, let me know, say it, you're the man, right? thank you, thank you, <laughs> that doesn't mean it that way, it's just that, that's the personality, man, so yeah, there's always a slash, there's always a major and a minor, but then again, let them hear the message, if they weren't there, their problem, if they were in the beach, that's their problem. What can I say? You missed it? You missed it. But what I love about it is we DVR our messages. Praise God. So in the coming days, we have to now reassess the way we treat each other. It's a mistake to think you don't need him or her or whatever. It's a mistake to disrespect each other in the body of Christ because we're disrespecting Christ. We're disrespecting each other. We're disrespecting Christ because I'm the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. Apart from you, I cannot be all that I'm called to be. Apart from me, you cannot be all that you're called to be. That flies in the face of the world's way of thinking. I'm the man. I don't need anybody. I could do anything. No, no. Even the corporations today know that that's not true. Are you aware in today's age, more and more corporations are merging or blending? Because they need each other. Without each other, they cannot survive in this very difficult financial landscape. Everything is in flux right now. Uh, it's very possible um, that uh, by, I guess, August the 2nd, uh, you might see a, a precip- precipitous, precipitous drop in the market. You don't think that the corporations have been dealing with that? You don't think that they're moving most of their, their, their money from stocks into tangible assets like gold and silver and, and other commodities that, that would go up? When it goes down, they've all done it already. It's people that don't understand the value of working together that lose out. You wake up in the morning, oh, my God, all my money's gone. Oh, my God, I'm fired. Oh, my God. You know, if you understand who you are, you can never be fired. That's right. That is so true. That is so true. That is so true. That is so true. Really, because you will become so... Needed in your area of expertise that you become the resource person. Right. And when they're firing a whole bunch of others, we can't let go of that one because that person always does more than they expected to do. They're resourceful. They always study. Uh, they, they went and took all the courses. We need that person. Let's get rid of all the rest. But that one, got to keep them. That one, got to keep her. Yeah. Hallelujah. Really, I mean, that's, that's one of the steps that all of us have to understand. Don't do what you're told. Do more than what you're told. While everybody else is complaining, you're, you're in this. Is there anything else that needs to be done? Yeah, but pastor's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of work. But yet when the time comes, you're the one that will get picked. And then watch this. Sometimes you become so resourceful that other companies will find out about you and steal you from that company. I should start testifying right now. No, no, sir. There are testimonies over and over of, of departments that steal the people because they're so good at what they do. They're not saying it. They just outshine on a daily basis. Well, it's time to start outshining others. Amen. And in the body of Christ, we flow too easily in the flesh. We, we flow too, too easily in, in arrogance and attitudes and this and that. That has got to be... We need to kick it out wholesale and once again restore to the body of Christ the honor and the order that is needed. Why? Not for us, but for all those that are being connected to the body in the coming days. And God is looking for those, he's, for those that are standing in the gap. Who's standing in the gap here? Who's standing in the gap for others? Well, I'll tell you, those who are dealing with this issue right now. Can we do all things through Christ who strengthens us? How many believe that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? All right, put your hands down. That's wrong. You can't do all things. You're not supposed to do all things. What Paul was saying is, I know how to have a lot. I know how to be abased. I know how to be poor. I can do all things, whether have a lot or or not have a lot. He was not saying, I can do every single thing. You know, Paul couldn't really sing. He wasn't a singer. Paul couldn't be a model. He was bald-headed short. They, 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 they nearly killed him. Some people believe they actually killed him when they stoned him. So he probably had marks in his face. So, I mean, Paul couldn't do everything. That's not what he was saying. He's saying, I, in my gifting, I can do all things. I can suffer all things. I can go through everything because Christ helps me. He empowers me. So if you're in your calling, if you're in your gifting, if you're in your grace factor, you can do it. But if you get out of it, that's when we're going to get beat up. That's when we're not going to have that same ability because now we're trying to be what he is, what she is. Now we're trying to be what they are. No. Be the best you that you're called to be. Shine. Outshine. Get into that divine order. And if you don't see it around you, help to form it. Help to create it. Help to cultivate it. And what will happen is God will work with you. He'll work through you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, dee neighbor, neighbor, I love you. Your uniqueness is very appreciated. I appreciate your gift. I appreciate who you are. Don't want to be you. Can't do what you do. You can't do what I do. But I'm so grateful that I'm working with you. That I'm part of the body with you. Amen.